Through the rosary, I was slowly learning to release different things like pride and perfectionism, piece by piece. What was previously difficult for me to surrender to God, I surrendered through the rosary and Our Lady made it easy. Welcome to the Breakthrough of Grace podcast, a place where we share the stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. We invite you to join us as our speakers talk about their journey towards living lives of rich Christian authenticity to encourage and inspire each one of us. We are thankful you're here and taking this time to spend with us. A reading from the book of Revelation. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth, in anguish for delivery. And another portent appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. She brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. Friends, welcome to this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. This episode's guest is Daniela McClintock. Daniela is a devoted wife, mother, and serves as the dean of girls for a local Catholic high school. In her reflections, she describes the formative experiences she had as a girl and later as a young woman, growing in faith, hope, and charity through her devotion to our Blessed Mother, Mary, the Mother of God. Daniela's story is powerful for both its simplicity and its authenticity. She's found identity, belonging, and an answer to her prayers by following the example of and growing in relationship with Mary. She who in all that she has and continues to do, she who is the Queen of Heaven, draws each of us into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, her Son. Daniela's talk was recorded live with a small prayer group on John Paul the Great Catholic University. We hope it blesses you as much as it did us. So my name is Daniela McClintock. I'm the mom of three wonderful children. I've been married to my high school sweetheart for 12 years. I live here in North County and I work as a high school teacher at a small Catholic school, St. Joseph Academy. Um, This is the same school where I met my husband 19 years ago. The talk I'm going to give is about ordinary life and its struggles, how to bear it then live it beautifully. And this isn't an area that I've mastered by any means but I have a North Star guiding me so that I can move forward through life unafraid. This North Star or lifeline really is one that I couldn't see clearly for much of my life. And that is mostly what I would like to talk to you about today. 
First, about my background. I grew up in a large Catholic family as the second oldest of seven. As a child, I felt like my life was good, but fairly ordinary. But as an adult looking back, I now know that my parents gave us an extraordinary life by simply loving each other, showing us how to love our faith, and surrounding us with a solid community at our small Catholic school. I did realize then that I was being given a strong foundation and that there were other children who didn't have that. I remember being a teenager and thinking to myself that I had been given so much, something a little bit out of the ordinary, so I had a responsibility to do much with that, although I had no idea exactly what I should do. I don't remember first hearing the phrase, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, but I must have been fairly young. Whenever I had a small struggle, that phrase often popped in my head, reminding me that whatever it was I was facing, I had the tools and ability to overcome it because I knew God loved me and he wouldn't give me more than I could handle. Be it problems with friends, siblings, or internal struggles, and having a melancholic temperament, I had a fair amount of internal struggles. I almost always rose to the challenge and handled it. At a very young age, I developed what I realize now is the prideful mentality of perfectionism which is the interesting paradox of thinking you have the ability to do everything perfectly, but also being constantly down on yourself because you aren't doing everything perfectly. In situations when I did struggle to master my emotions or strength of will, I was left feeling confused and angry with myself, but also a little bit angry with God too. It almost felt like I was actually being given more than I could handle. So what did that say about his love for me? There's one event in my childhood that stands out to me where it seems like life was totally out of my control, but I was miraculously carried through beyond my own efforts and above what I could actually handle. We were eating dinner as a family, and my little brother Tommy was sick on the couch. He was five years old. Asthma runs in my family, making the common cold a little more serious for some of my siblings like Tommy, but it was something we were used to. As we were eating our meal, someone noticed Tommy was becoming particularly lethargic and pale. My parents called 911 as I started to notice the tips of his fingers turn green. His airways were closing up and he couldn't breathe. It was like breathing through a straw that was slowly getting pinched. He was rapidly losing consciousness and right before the ambulance came, I saw Tommy go limp in my dad's arms. A house with seven young kids is chaotic without a crisis going on, and I don't remember too much else through the chaos, but I remember knowing that my little brother was dying. The paramedics arrived and quickly rushed him and my dad to the hospital. My mom piled the rest of us six kids in the van to follow them to the hospital that was eight miles away. My mom immediately had us all start to pray the rosary. We didn't know if we would arrive to find Tommy alive or not, but I remember feeling peace and comfort, and I knew that praying the rosary was the best thing we could be doing. We prayed all five decades, and at the exact moment, we pulled into the parking spot at the emergency room at the old Palomar Hospital here in Escondido, our rosary was completed. I remember feeling a wave of peace as we said that last amen at the very moment our tires came to a halt. That perfect timing made a big impression on me at that moment, and I knew we weren't alone and that things would be okay. Things were okay. We entered the emergency room to find Tommy tired, but awake and recovering. The paramedic said if they had arrived seconds later, he would have been lost. Praise be to God, he is now a healthy young man studying at law school. I see that now as the first time my mother was revealed to me through the act of praying the rosary. I didn't have to handle that scary situation on my own, 
no matter what the outcome was. The perfect timing of our rosary showed us our mother's love that was so strong that God allowed it to be revealed to us in a small earthly sign. Growing up in a Catholic household and school, I was taught about the Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession, her role in our salvation, and that no, we did not worship her, as a Baptist friend accused me of in eighth grade. <laughs> I grew up with a love for Our Lady, but I wouldn't say I had a devotion to her at all. To me, she was a beautiful bonus in our Catholic faith, mostly living in my mind as the images I had seen on holy cards. I knew the rosary was a powerful prayer, but praying the whole rosary regularly was just something especially holy adults did. <laughs> our Lady is, in fact, so much more than a beautiful bonus of our Catholic faith. St. Louis de Montfort wrote, Since she is our, the sure means, the direct and immaculate way to Jesus and the perfect guide to him, it is through her that souls who are to shine forth in sanctity must find him. He who finds Mary finds life, that is, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. St. Louis de Montfort also writes, It is through the most blessed Virgin Mary that Jesus came into the world, and it is also through her that he will reign in the world. St. Faustina wrote in her diary, Through her, as through a pure crystal, your mercy was passed on to us. Through her, man became pleasing to God. Through her, streams of grace flowed down upon us. Sacred scripture tells us that our Lord himself gave us his mother to be our own in John chapter 19, verse 26. Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Our Lady is very clearly so much more than simply a Catholic bonus or just another beautiful figure in the tapestry of our Catholic faith. She is a necessity in our life. St. John Eudes went as far to say that a man is no true Christian if he has no devotion to the mother of Jesus Christ. Yet, even as a cradle Catholic, like myself, I had unintentionally begun to slip into the Protestant viewpoint that Our Lady's help is not really necessary because the grace of God is enough. True, there is nothing that can stop His grace from reaching me, but He Himself deemed it fitting that I may learn to accept His grace from the woman who first accepted Him into her very womb. He Himself willed for her collaboration in my salvation. We would be fools not to devote ourselves to her as our safe ship that would lead us to our homeland. Yet foolish I was in trivializing devotion to Our Lady. As I grew up, I knew some Catholics who clearly had a deep devotion and love for Our Lady, and I just didn't get it. She felt very distant to me. Like I said, in my mind she was like on a holy card, beautiful, angelic, and floating on clouds, so very far away from me. One thing I knew that people who loved Mary did was pray the rosary, a lot. In school, I had learned that the children of Fatima prayed the rosary daily, in fact, Our Lady herself told them to. I remember this flooring me as a seven or eight year old. At school, we prayed a decade together after lunch, after every lunch, but a whole rosary seemed a bit long for me. Maybe that would be something I did when I was much, much older. Like Our Lady, the rosary seemed like another nice Catholic bonus. Again, I was wrong. Our Lady of Fatima told us herself how pleasing the rosary was in telling the three shepherd children to pray every day and spread its devotion. Even before Our Lady appeared to the children in 1917, Pope Leo XIII told the faithful, the rosary is the most excellent form of prayer and the most efficacious means of attaining eternal life. It is the remedy for all our evils, the root of all our blessings. There is no more excellent way of praying. St. Francis de Sales wrote, the greatest method of praying is to pray the rosary. While the origins of this compilation of Our Fathers and Hail Marys is unknown, 
It is known that it is was St. Dominic in the 13th century who spread the popularity of the rosary through his preaching. Through the meditation on the life and teachings of our Lord, through the mysteries of the rosary, St. Dominic taught that the rosary was the best remedy against heresy. For centuries, popes and peasants have lifted their hearts to Mary, presenting her with the same offering of prayers. The very word rosary comes from the Latin rosarius, which means garland or bouquet of flowers. There is no prayer as beautiful as the rosary. The very structure of the rosary echoes the beauty of God's creation, beauty that is both orderly and surprising. Like a sunrise we have seen many times and can calculate and understand its position and timing, but it can still leave us in awe and surprise by some new hue or luminance we have not noticed before. So is the rosary with its order and repetition, and at the same time its ability to draw us ever deeper into meditation that can spark new, wonderful insights into the life of our Lord every time we pray. It is clear that we need Our Lady's help in our lives, and the rosary is our direct line to call her in our time of need. To grow close to the rosary, we go closer to Our Lady. To go closer to Our Lady, we go closer to Christ. Through high school, I loved my Catholic faith, but Our Lady still felt very distant to me, and the rosary was far from my mind. God doesn't give you more than you can handle was still a favorite mantra of mine. My desire for perfectionism grew as well as my pride in handling situations on my own. I've always been a very self-disciplined and rule-loving person. So while the enemy knew it would be hard to rule me, lure me into physically breaking commandments, he chose his battleground in my mind. This pride and perfectionism that had been cultivating for years would prove a grave danger to my spiritual life later on. At the ripe young ages of 19 and 20, my husband and I married and plunged into independence and adulthood head on together. We knew it would be a lot to handle and people were quick to remind us of that, but we both had a good faith formation and trust in the safety net that our Lord provides through the grace of the sacraments. We weren't able to have children at first, which was initially saddening to me. But looking back, God's plan was best, and he allowed us time to grow up together and spend the first three years of marriage having the time of my life with my best friend. And I took pride in the fact that I was handling life as an independent adult, putting myself through college and graduating on time. I knew God loved me because I was able to handle everything life threw at me. Nothing teaches you humility quite like having your first child. My first was a very colicky baby, crying more than she was calm. I had never questioned my own competency the way I did during those first sleep-deprived months. Nothing makes you feel less competent than having a doctor declare your breastfed baby a failure to thrive. I do remember calling on Our Lady during those times, reciting my dusty Hail Marys as they rocked my fussy baby in the dark. It didn't do much to calm the baby, but it made me feel productive. Maybe this will count for something later. Maybe she can help me do these things that I'm failing at. I see now that, I have, that having a difficult first baby was the first step in shattering the pride and perfectionism I had been cultivating for years. As my baby grew, she got much better. And when she was six months old, I finally began enjoying being a mother. I was thankful to God for putting us through that tough time, and I saw it just as another hurdle that I had conquered. And of course I did, because God would never give me more than I could handle. I took a job at a wonderful communications firm that was incredibly accommodating of the needs of a working mom. 
It was a struggle at times to juggle the two roles, and I demanded much of myself, definitely more than both my family and my work did of me. This was a new arena to prove myself, to show I could handle it all. I distinctly remember being at home on an important call with a marketing executive for a major jewelry retailer, while at the same time muting and unmuting myself to speak while I rocked and fed my crying baby. I felt both on top of the world for doing all the things, and also like I was burning the candle on both ends. <laughs> after I had my second child and quite soon after my third, the juggle started to become a little too much. By outward appearances, I was handling it all, but I had to stop working for a while to scale back. I also experienced a fair amount of postpartum mental health struggles after my second and third that I felt I had no control over. For years, I had placed my identity on my self-reliance and competency. That identity felt shattered and I hit a brick wall, and I became angry at God. After every hardship and struggle I had been in in my life, this finally felt like it was more than I could handle. It was a period where I felt abandoned by God. I was living out the role he gave me, and I felt like the burden was too heavy. It was a period of just surviving. This loss of my identity as a super competent power thrower caused me to question everything. Why couldn't I just handle my life anymore? It doesn't make sense to me now, but in my mind at the time, I truly believed that God did not care about me. And if he didn't care, how could he be good? And if he wasn't good, how could he be real? It seems crazy to me now that I plunged that far into questioning my faith and even the existence of God, but that is how overwhelmed and underwater I felt at this point. It was a dark mental and spiritual pit that I couldn't see a way out of. But God can turn all things for his glory. Because of my new skepticism, I started to dive into theology for answers. My whole life I had accepted the faith that was taught to me and the existence of God, but I didn't have any answers to the questions of why. I slowly started working on answering that question for myself. It was like I was starting from a seedling. I was first satisfied with the evidence that Jesus was a real person and that he was either who he said he was or he had to be a lunatic. After more research and prayer, it became very clear to me that he was who he said he was. This was very exciting to me because it was the first time I felt like I was truly owning my faith and our Lord took on a bright new realness in my life. I think every cradle Catholic can relate to moments similar to this. One book that brought great clarity to me was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Mm. One of my favorite Lewis quotes is, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I attended a small women's group where the leader had gently suggested praying the rosary daily. And if we were in that place yet in our lives, to at least pray a little of it. This woman had small children like me and found time to pray the rosary, so maybe I could. I felt that gentle nudge in my heart when I heard that the Pope had declared that October the month of the rosary. The lover of self-discipline in me decided I was going to commit to pray the rosary every day in October and see what happens. After all, I calculated that the rosary takes about 15 minutes, which is only 1% of a day. I held on to my commitment. What once seemed like a very long prayer that I could barely fit into my busy life turned out to be very doable. After the initial act of will to stop, take a break, and pray, 
The rosary was an enjoyable oasis of peace in my day. I had to get creative sometimes, praying during nap time, finishing up the rosary later in the day when a nap was cut short, praying in the car, or committing to finishing the rosary in bed even when I was exhausted. Toward the end of the month, I noticed things started to shift for the better and almost effortlessly. By praying the rosary, I was surrendering all the knots I was arduously trying to untie and giving them to the heavenly undoer of knots. It was like what St. Jose Maria Escriva so beautifully wrote of our Blessed Mother. Before, by yourself you couldn't. Now you've turned to Our Lady. And with her, how easy. Surrender was not something I had ever been very good at, but now I saw how essential it was to living a healthy spiritual life. Through the rosary, I was slowly learning to release different things, like pride and perfectionism, piece by piece. What was previously difficult for me to surrender to God, I surrendered through the rosary, and Our Lady made it easy. I remember when it suddenly dawned on me that the phrase, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, the phrase that I had been saying to myself for most of my life, is simply not true. God frequently gives us more than we can handle. I was definitely living in a season of life that I couldn't handle. But God didn't put me there because he didn't love me or didn't care. He put me there because I needed to finally learn that to rely on him and not my own abilities. And this would make me happy. I will always let myself down. And that's okay because I am simply human. But he will never abandon me or leave to ruin what I entrust to him. There was one night when my house was quiet, and after I had prayed the rosary, I was reading some of the writings of Alfonso de Liguri about the love of God and his mercy, something that I had not meditated much on, even as someone who grew up Catholic. Looking at the crucifix, the knowledge of God's love for me hit me like a wave in a way I had never felt before. It was a profound encounter with the Lord for me, and such a gift of consolation that it strengthens me to this day. It was when I stopped seeking consolations of God, and started to seek the God of consolations, that such a gift of peace entered my life. I stopped asking for life to get easier, but for myself to get stronger, and both things ended up happening. Mm -hmm. It was clear that God loved me, especially when I couldn't handle things, because it was in those times I could show my love and trust the most. With my identity now in the love and protection of God and not in my own abilities, my life was colored with a new beauty. Even the sacrifices could now taste sweet. An openness to the Lord's will opened up many good opportunities for our family as well. When my oldest started school, we knew we wanted to send her to St. Joseph Academy, the same TK-12 through Catholic school my husband and I attended, but we weren't sure we could afford it on one income. In an admissions meeting, I was told of a part-time teaching position, which I applied for and received. I fell in love with teaching and the blessing of being able to hug my daughter at lunchtime and to spend every school break with her. Next year, all three of my children will be at school with me, which feels more like an extension of my own home. I met many wonderful Christ-seeking colleagues and priests through our school. One priest, a spiritual father of mine in particular, encouraged me to consecrate myself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He said to give absolutely everything to her thoughts, actions, even other people in our lives. With her, we can go through life unafraid, as she can beautify all things for the glory of God. I did consecrate myself to her immaculate heart, as well as my family, my marriage, even my students, which I renew every year. In fact, I find I need to continue to consecrate things to her daily, 
When I previously felt like I had to grit my teeth and power through challenges or endlessly mull over solutions to various anxieties, I consecrate them to Our Lady instead and go on with my day, doing my best more peacefully and efficiently than I would have otherwise. And this is a practice that I still aim to perfect. <laughs> Doesn't always go as, as planned. I knew the key to my spiritual growth had been the rosary, and I still try to keep up the daily practice, although not perfectly. These days, I pray more car rosaries than ever, but I know these efforts are still pleasing and efficacious because Our Lady can make my feeble offerings beautiful if I give them to her. Last year, my high school took a pilgrimage to Fatima, Portugal, and I was selected as a chaperone. Simon Kind excellently describes this very eventful trip mm-hmm. and message of Our Lady of Fatima in episode nine of this podcast, but I want to tell you briefly about my own spiritual experience. After growing in love and devotion to Our Lady, more than anything, I desired a deep encounter with her. I went to Portugal with the intention of meeting my mother, who had helped me through so much and yet still felt a little distant to me. As Simon relates in episode nine about this pilgrimage, I was in the second half of the pilgrimage group that almost didn't make it to Portugal because of COVID test issues. In our uncertainty, I took the opportunity to pray many quiet rosaries almost constantly as my students and I waited to see if we would be able to make our pilgrimage at all. Our Lady's peace was on us, and I remember thinking that even if we didn't go in the end, we still received many spiritual benefits from the Blessed Mother. Miraculously, truly, we did end up finding a new flight to Portugal, and joy filled my heart as a bus picked us up at the Lisbon airport and finally dropped us off on the small road to our Lisbon hotel. I remember tears filled my eyes as I bumped my suitcase down the wet cobblestone road late that night alongside my students, and I said quietly to Our Lady, I know you did this. Thank you. (laughs) Tears turned into full-on crying as I was finally reunited with my other chaperones and students. With our group together again, we made our way to Fatima. When you enter Fatima, there is a large roundabout, and in the middle, there is a huge sculpture of the children of Fatima, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta and a little sheep, all in a line walking up to some unseen summit, looking at some unseen object. As our bus from Lisbon entered the roundabout, the statue took our breath away, and I heard my friend sitting behind me quietly say, she's here. There are a few places I have been to that feel as if the veil between heaven and earth is thinner. The little town of Assisi, where St. Francis lived and preached, and the Isle of Iona in Scotland, where St. Columba established his monastery, are two of these places I've been to that feel like the veil is thin. But I have never experienced the feeling of peace and closeness of heaven that I felt in Fatima. Our Lady's presence is all over that area. She is truly there in a special way. Our days there were beautifully spent, praying the rosary and attending mass at the site of the apparitions, processing with other pilgrims in front of the Basilica of Our Lady of the Rosary, and touring the little town and homes of the three shepherds. One moment stands out to me above the rest. Our group was on a tour of the Hungarian Stations of the Cross, which follows the country path the children took from their homes to the apparition site of Cova de Iria. Our Lady appeared six times to the children, five times at Cova de Iria on the 13th of the month. One time she appeared on a different day in a different location. In August 1917, the children of Fatima were imprisoned and interrogated and could not make it to Cova de Iria on the 13th of the month. 
When they were released, Our Lady appeared to them on August 19th at a different spot, a little closer to their homes. This spot is marked by a lovely small shrine with a statue of Our Lady surrounded by the charming countryside landscape of Fatima. Our tour guide stopped at this apparition site and our large group sat in a large semicircle around the shrine. Our tour guide told us the onlookers of the apparitions reported seeing roses fall from the sky like snow, only to disappear before they touched the ground. I thought how amazing this place was and all the things that occurred here and almost questioned how could this all be real? Soon after he finished the story and went on to talk of other miracles, a powerful odor suddenly filled my nose. It was as if someone had stuck a bouquet of roses in front of my face or dropped me in a field of roses. But this was unlike any rose smell I had ever smelled. It was a powerful and deep sweetness, musky and fragrant. It lasted for only a couple seconds as I draw in a deep sniff of it. But the memory of the smell has stayed with me since. I looked behind me, but there were no flowers, only the bushes and small trees of the Fatima countryside. The shrine and the statue were about 10 to 15 feet in front of me, and I did notice a few old roses and vases. After our group moved on, I went up and took a big sniff of those roses, and they were definitely not what I smelled. <laughs> in fact, the chaperones who were sitting next to me, two of them, smelled something similar at different times. I was, and still am sure, that what I smelled were roses, not of this world, but of heaven. That Our Lady wished to meet me there, in Fatima, at the apparition side of August 19th, 1917. And that she pierced the veil between heaven and earth for love of me to say hello with roses. And to tell me that she was there and real and has always been there with me. Even if I wanted to, I will never forget that moment for the rest of my life. At that moment, she claimed my heart forever. And there's no going back to life without her. At that moment, I knew it was all real. The apparitions, the miracles, and most importantly, her message. Her message that the rosary is necessary in our lives, not just occasionally, but daily. Her message to trust in her love and intercession. She wants our pain, our struggles, our worries, our deficiencies, because she can transform them with her perfect love for Christ. Leaving Fatima felt like leaving my mother's house. I was going away from safety and love into a world full of hardship and struggles. But she is always with us as our most powerful intercessor. She has become my shining light, my North Star, and my lifeline. As someone who is naturally prone to anxiety, she provides me security I have never felt before in all my life. I can say with confidence that this ship that is life, with all its challenges and sufferings, is beautiful beyond measure with Our Lady at the helm. And the surest means to reach her is the Rosary. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Before we return to the pace and the cadence and the bustle of our day, I encourage you to pause. What of Daniela's talk stood out to you? What is stirring in your soul? What's remaining with you for you to continue to think and to pray about? Friends, we are a small apostolate seeking to capture stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. If you enjoyed this reflection, could you please give it a thumbs up or simply share it with two friends? We are trying to get the word out, and these small acts of recommendation by you go a tremendous way in helping us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. 
Feel free to check the show notes for discussion questions and thoughts for further reflection. We are praying for you. We are thankful for you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. We're a small word of mouth movement. Can we ask you to share it with a friend? Please see our show notes and website for discussion questions and other resources. Until next time, may God bless you, keep you, and make His face shine upon you.